You're listening to episode 28 of Daughters on Fire with your host, Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. In today's episode, Robin and I are going to have a conversation. And in fact, this is going to be a new format that we are going to take on. They're going to be conversations with Robin and Melissa because we're just going to be going back and forth together as you would sit down with a friend and talk about your different perspectives on specific issues. So today we're talking about people pleasing and Robin and I both come from maybe a different perspective on people pleasing and how it impacts caregiving. We're actually on the same page in many ways, but we both deal with people pleasing in different ways. So we're going to talk through it. We're gonna talk about how to overcome people pleasing and better ways to advocate as a caregiver if you find yourself having the tendency of wanting to be a people pleaser and getting kind of walked all over in that journey. So stay tuned as we jump in to people pleasing. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. Okay, welcome back, Daughters on Fire. I am so excited for today's conversation with Robin because that's what we're going to do. Robin and I are going to have a conversation because recently a topic has come up that I think is so important to caregivers, but it's also something we all struggle with. Robin and I struggle with it differently, and that's why I thought us kind of bantering about would be very insightful. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about people-pleasing, how people-pleasing gets in the way of effective caregiving. Well, and not only, Melissa, does it get in the way of effective caregiving, I think it gets in the way of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so in full disclosure, I am more of a people pleaser. Um, I find that I'm maybe more like afraid of confrontation. And one thing that I admire in Robin is that Robin feels, it looks like Robin, you're more comfortable being direct and people take it really, really well. And so I've always admired that. So I'm I don't know what your thoughts are about people pleasing. Where do you think you stand with people pleasing? I think that as I've aged, I've gotten better about it. I think that I look at how um, is it going to be effective in the f- future? Is it going to be devastating? Is, is it worth my worrying about? Most likely no on all occasions. There may be some occasions that it's more moving forward. I think that probably internally I stress with it more than you do. I think you maybe talk about it more to to someone you trust. Not to, I'm not saying that you're out spreading that and talking to everybody, but I do think there's different ways of handling it. It can affect your caregiving and it can affect your day-to-day life. Yeah. So you're saying that you're very, well, I won't say very direct, you're direct in a very healthy way and that you actually think about it more so that you kind of go back and replay situations. Right. I'll replay it in my head. I think about how could this be handled? Is this really important? Is this something I can let go? 
is it fair on both sides? And I tend to have that internal struggle about things, but I tend to, after that struggle, and of course, probably all those scenarios in my head start out really ugly. And then they sort of calm down as I keep talking to myself and then I find a way to bring it out. And I do find that people are appreciative of that. People want to know what you're thinking because a lot of times we play this whole scenario in our head that we have no idea. We think everybody is hearing us and it's just you and you're having the whole argument and you don't know the person, the other person's side or what they're going to say. So give them that opportunity to talk about it, to share, to give their viewpoint because it could be totally different from what you're thinking. So, do you think, as we're talking about this, do you think people-pleasing and peacemaker are the same thing? That's interesting because my first point was going to be that people-pleasing is different from being kind. So I think that um, a peacemaker could very easily become a people-pleaser. A really healthy peacemaker is somebody who's not going to be afraid of confrontation, but they're going to do it in a kind way. Like the, the, I know Brene Brown's, one of her quotes is clear is kind. So being kind, being standing up for what you believe in can be a peacemaker, but a peacemaker may also because I'm thinking the Enneagram, aren't there, isn't there like a, a number on the Enneagram that's a peacemaker? I think the sometimes peacemakers might find it easier um, to be people pleasers, like to fall in to people pleasing when it's not necessarily healthy for them, healthy for their role that they're doing, like the caregiving. To me, people pleasing means kind of taking the easy way out and avoiding confrontation. And that's how I have fallen into the rut is sometimes, you know, maybe I've taken the easy way out when maybe a healthy, healthy confrontation or advocating would have improved the situation. But I was, I was too scared. I was too much of a weenie (laughs) to, to do it now. And, and I'm getting better with it the older that I get. And most of the time, the person's um, welfare, if you will, that's at stake when I people please and I sacrifice what would be better for the situation is my own situation. It's me. Like I'm sacrificing what's best for me by, by just being, Oh, let's just, let's just make them happy. Right. So, okay. So going on that point, let's talk about how it can interfere with getting the best care. Mainly, you know, since this is a caregiving podcast, how does people-pleasing interfere with getting the, the best care and not speaking up for your loved one? The, the image that comes into my mind is you're in the hospital, the moody nurse comes in, and your mom, your dad, whoever you're there advocating for needs something. And you know that the moody nurse, you know, that's had a chip on their shoulder going back and forth all day long is the person you have to ask in order to get it, what do you do? I'm thinking what I would do is probably go sit there for five, 10 minutes in the hallway, you know, trying to wait until she has a good moment knowing like, oh, well, mom is is suffering. You know, she hasn't had her pain medications. And then say something like, oh, when you get a chance, do you mind coming? Mom, you know, she's, 
she's probably getting close to needing her pain medication. So whenever, don't want to bother you. So whenever you get the chance, come on down. And then like an hour later, she comes on down. Versus, well, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Like, how would you have handled that? Well, <laughs> we won't get into that. That was before I was a nice person. <laughs> but no, actually, what you're saying is very true. But in addition to that, what I see with that scenario is now because when you came into the hospital, you were always very sweet and kind and, oh, you know, when you have a chance, can you come by? So as the nurses are working their rounds and they've got somebody who's saying, I want it now and I need it now, they're going to tend to that person and they know, oh, you're so sweet, you're kind, you're the people pleaser, you want everybody to be happy, you're the peacemaker. So your mom is suffering because they think, oh, they're, they're so easy. Don't worry about it. We don't have a problem with that. And now you have that downfall for your mom that she's probably beyond the, the pain. And so it's going to take longer for the new medicine to take effect and have somebody come in. So yep. yes, I, that, that's a great scenario. I probably would do the same thing in the beginning. I would not let it sit for an hour. I would definitely go back out and say, okay. And I have been known to it. It's so funny. I have a girlfriend that we tap our finger on the table and that means you better pay attention now. And I can see myself walking up to the nurse's station and sort of tapping my finger and saying, we've tried to do this. She's in a lot of pain. We need help now. Yes. Um, and, and, and everybody, you don't see Robin and I right now, but I am like shaking my head with her. <laughs> I worked in the facility and I don't want to say be, be rude, but the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's because, and it's not intentional, but like you said, if you have a whole bunch of patients, you're going to prioritize them. And the ones that are in more dire pain are usually the family members it could be the people pleasers for the last hour, but then two, three hours goes, then they're going to be the ones that are sounding the alarm. So it's prioritizing the nurses and such, uh, the, um, the CNAs, the caregivers, um, the, well, I shouldn't call them caregivers because that's going to get really co confusing. I'll just stick with CNAs. The CNAs that are coming in, they are more likely to be putting out the fires first. So don't be like a really rude person that is going to make everything a fire, but be direct if your mom is in pain, if it has gone on and if you need to manage that pain. I'm thinking what I should do and now probably what I can do better from working in a facility is go up to the nurse, look her in the eye and don't apologize. Just say, Mom is in a lot of pain. We need that medication as soon as possible. And, and you know, it. I like that because I think, especially we as women, how many times a day do we say, I'm sorry? I'm sorry. Right. Sorry for what? I'm sorry that I am bothering you. No, this is your job. I'm walking up to the counter to say, hey, my mom needs this. There's no need to apologize. And I think we we fall into that trap of, I know, Melissa, for instance, if you say, my hair doesn't look right today. And I say, well, I'm sorry. 
Why am I sorry? I had nothing to do with fixing your hair. <laughs> you didn't do my hair. You caused <laughs> but, this mess, Robin. That's right. So I think as women, we do take that on. And I think it's a habit. I think it's one of those segues that you're sweet or you're kind, but we say, say that. But I think, Melissa, we talked a little bit about people pleasing is different from being kind. And I think in that scenario that you talked about, let's stick with that, that you can be very kind. When the nurses come in, you thank them. You're very gracious as they're doing their job. But when it comes time to what you need, you can still be kind and get your point across. They can still think of you of that easy family, but they also know that you're here, you're in charge, you're advocating, and this is what you need and you need it now. You know, from a psychological standpoint, when you say, I'm sorry, you're already owning their emotions. Exactly. So when a nurse is stressed out and overwhelmed because that's her job and you say, I'm sorry, you're owning her emotions. So when you add one more thing to it, she can roll her eyes at you and make you feel bad. If you go up and you do not say, I'm sorry, and you realize her job is hard, but you, you let her own that and you just say, Thank you for what you're doing. I want you, you know, maybe say that afterwards. Sue, whatever, nurse, nurse Sue, mom is in a lot of pain. We need to get this under control as soon as possible. Please nope. and thank you. No? Now. Oh, we now. Get it under control now. As soon as like possible that. gives her the leeway to wait another 30, 40 minutes because she has cranky wheel down the squeaky wheel down the hallway. So say now. I like that, Robin. Yeah, I need it now. And, and that, you know what? You're going to walk away feeling better about yourself. You weren't nasty. Mm-hmm. You were up front. Mm-hmm. You told her what you needed and you took care of mom. Right. And then what What would be great is to if you were to test it, hey, my old way, I probably would have been waiting another another hour. See how fast they come right. and give you the medication. Because, and people are like, I mean, I don't know about the restaurant business and the whole spitting in your food, but I can tell you from where I was, you don't get ignored because you're rude. You get maybe people rolling their eyes, walking into your room, but you don't get ignored. I mean, in this world, reputation is everything. And people know that. And people know I may not like having to go above and beyond for this person who seems to complain about everything, but I can't ignore them because their voice will just get louder. Again, I'm not advocating. I'm not suggesting that you be rude. I'm saying don't don't think that if you're not advocating that people are going to like you and treat you better. Does that make sense? Right. Exactly. And I I think we tend to think if we aren't the squeaky wheel, like you said, people will will like us better. People will be kinder to us. And that's not necessarily true. And I I think one of the other things, if we're going to stick with this scenario, so now you're in the, the room and the nurses are busy and you go back to and they mom has to go to the bathroom or mom needs a bath. Not something you want to do not your job, not your liability at this point, honestly, in a facility. And you, they say, do you mind doing that for me? Or you go on and take her to the bathroom because they're taking too long. That Then you become the doormat of, hey, that family's taking care of everybody. They'll do it. We'll, we'll only pop in whenever they need medicines. And you, that's not your job. 
even though you're their caregiver in a facility that's a liability, should you take them to the bathroom and something happens. So you need that nurse to come in. But if you do that because you don't want to bother them because you know they're busy and you feel sorry for them, then you could be potentially getting yourself in trouble, hurting your loved one, hurting, what if you drop your mom or things like that. So when you say, I need you to do this, and they say, could you help us out by doing it? Then you need to say, no, no, Mm -hmm. I can't. Mm -hmm. You don't have to explain why you can't. You don't have to say, I don't feel comfortable. It's a liability. It's this, it's that. No, because you know, bottom line, that's their job. That's what they're getting paid for. And even though they're overworked, that's not your problem. You didn't hire them. You didn't do anything to create that situation. So there's no reason why you have to fix that situation, especially with an explanation. Yes. And and on top of that, if we're talking about it, you're spending a whole lot of money not to have to do all the work for them. So, but again, like you're saying, it's that if, if they're frustrated and upset, don't own it. Don't own it. It's not you. It's their job. You know, I guarantee you it's, they're feeling that frustration every room that they go in. Now, could you bring in like chocolates? I know at my, um, my husband's granny, they, the whole family's always, there's a little candy bowl and there's always candy that we always all bring in because we know we want to treat the staff well and they probably really enjoy it. And the staff probably is overworked and they probably, I mean, to be a CNA in a facility is one of the hardest jobs I can even imagine. So I'm going to be showering them with compliments and thank yous, but not when it comes to me asking for them to do their job. It's going to be after the fact. It's going to be thanking them after they've they've done their job. It's not going to be me worrying about me asking for them to do their job. And worrying how they're going to treat me if I ask them to do their job. Right, right. So let's take this whole deal and flip it now to family members. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had two siblings, you have two siblings, and we're taking care of mom. And you think you want to spend this weekend with your husband. You you have plans. So do your sisters. So for you, you think as a people pleaser, okay, well, I'll say, I'll cancel my plans. I'll stay. I'll do the caregiving. And in your mind, you're thinking, because they're going to do this for me in the future. Mm, yep. Nope. And it's funny, Robin, because with family, I'm probably not as much a people pleaser. There's probably, I feel like in every family, there is that one person that steps up to the plate more than others. And I think it's a tolerance level. You know, they, they, their tolerance for upsetting mom or their tolerance for something not getting done is um, a lot lower than everybody else's tolerance. So they just pick up the slack and then the family gets used to it. And they're like, Hey, well, so-and-so will do it. So-and-so, you know, they'll, they'll take care of that. And everybody's getting used to it. So it will be very awkward boundary setting to be like, no, I'm not going to be the doormat. I'm not always going to pick it up, pick up the slack, not always going to do this. Because if you do it once, it's not like, 
like you were saying, oh, you've banked one, now somebody else will do it for you. No, you've set a precedent that you're more likely to step up to the plate. And so people can back off. That dynamic plays out over and over again. And as the family member, ironically, and I'm not, you know, we're not into the, the, the deep, deep caregiving situation that other families like Robin, you went through. So I may get a little scorned from the daughters on fire world, but I don't think I would be the one that was the martyr. I think that's, I think that's another one of my sisters. Like if she kept doing it, like she kept like, Hey, I'll do it. Hey, I'll do it. I'd be like, fine, you do it. Right. And that's probably not fair. If she was to come back to me and say, this isn't fair, Melissa and Lori, we need to all do this together. Then I'd say like, yeah, you're right. But you, you just kept doing it. So why would I stop you? (laughs) So there you go. I mean, and, and that, and, in that situation, what I see is that sister now mad and angry. Resentful, right, Resentful. Right, right. And so now you're breaking down your relationship as a sibling. You're also probably messing with the care because we always take it out on our loved one. So now she's mad at mom because she had to stay the weekend with her while the other two got to go out and have fun. And she's stuck here. And even though she loves mom and it goes on and on and on and on. So you have to be careful with that. And for you, if you're, you're the one saying, Hey, let her do it. She can be the martyr. You've got to even realize that position in the family as far as thinking, okay, she does need a break. Right. Even though she's not saying that I need to be the one to step in and say, Hey, I'll do it. But if you are, if you are out there listening to us and you are the one that always does the stepping up, you really have to be the one to set the boundary. Right. Now I, I am in this world of caregiving, like this, this industry, I'm a counselor. I feel like I'm self-evolved and kind. I think I would be looking out after my sister and I wouldn't let it get to that point. So I would look out for her as well as kind of let it, let it go. I'm not going to be the martyr for those are finding yourself in those shoes. You have to set the boundaries. You have to go. You can't expect somebody else to show up for you. Right. And to protect you. And I think we talk about sometimes our triggers and what sets us off. So you have to be aware of that. It might be okay to do it for this week or that week, but then that third week you're going to your daughter's soccer game and nothing's going to mess that up. And then it gets messed up. And was that what pushed her too far or her children, her trigger, Mm -hmm. you know, then you've got an explosion. Then you've got the sisters all fighting. Everybody's angry. So if you, you talk it through, if you, you try to share the care. And I know it's hard because I was, I was the one that wanted to be doing everything because I thought I knew everything and I wanted to be in control. And then when I blew up, I wasn't rational. Mm-hmm. You know, the things I said were, were crazy. Like you never come to see her. And then it was, and I don't want you to be here because I don't want your opinion. So right. made no sense. So, so what you're saying is sometimes the person who is always stepping up to the plate is also the one who wants it to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And they're not necessarily really open to compromising and collaboration if it's not done a certain way. Right. And that can be problematic too. 
the other two then, or are how many you have, are, as you said, fine. You want to do it? Do it. Well, then I'm resentful because now I'm doing it on my own, mm-hmm. but I don't believe you can do it correctly. So it, it's a vicious cycle and it, it, it needs, it's a chain that needs to be broken, a circle that needs to be broken, that we need to take care of ourselves. We need to ask for help. Mm-hmm. We need to learn to say no. That is so huge. So many people cannot say no. And my biggest thing, and I, I tell Melissa this all the time, I'm, I'm she's in training, that <laughs> you say no without an explanation. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs to know why you're saying no. As soon as you tell them, again, me being more of the people pleaser, I want to give the explanations. But when you start to give explanations, explanations, you're actually giving them reasons to argue you out of your no. You're giving them platforms to say, oh, that's the reason why. Well, have you thought about this? All these reasons to back you out of no. And so that can that can work against you. Um, I think this is all great. I as far as the people pleasing goes, what it can lead to, one point I want to bring up is that it can you can start to become passive aggressive. If you don't like upsetting people, you might find that direct confrontation is the what you avoid at all costs. But if you become resentful, then you might start trying to get your way by going and being more passive aggressive about it. Finding ways to, yes, I'm people pleasing. I'm saying yes, but I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear and then I'm going to do something else. So sometimes it can lead to very negative behaviors if you're just not, if you don't get comfortable with just advocating and being direct. That is a much healthier relationship. Um, So people pleasing can lead to passive aggressive behaviors. It can also lead to you just exhausting yourself if you're not willing to be direct. Like, Back to that whole hospital scenario, how many times do you think somebody who's people-pleasing has to show up to talk to the nurse to ask for the medications over the course of a couple hours, meanwhile, sitting at mom's bedside hearing her be in more and more pain as the day goes on versus go there, make your point clear, be respectful, mom gets taken care of. All those hours of that emotional turmoil or just the emotional turmoil of going how many times you probably through your mind say, okay, this is how I'm going to go talk to her. Okay, I'm going to do it in five minutes. No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to do it in five more minutes. Just go. Do it. Get it out of the way. Become more comfortable with that type of healthy confrontation. You're saving yourself so much exhaustion of doing it the other way. Being passive aggressive is so exhausting, really. (laughs) (laughs) than a a direct, healthy relationship can be. Well, and a little game that I like to play with myself is in this situation. So if I go down, back to the hospital scenario, I go down, I've talked to the nurse, and I'm having the argument, do I go, do I not go? If I go down there and she gets angry, but mom's still going to get her medicine, but now now the nurse doesn't like me, now I've been pushy, is that going to matter in five years, two weeks? Am I going to look back and say, gosh, I wish I had gotten my mom some medicine faster. She didn't suffer. Or am I going to say, man, I didn't upset that nurse. And I know she feels good about that. That nurse doesn't remember you from anyone. So that's a game to play is, is it really going to matter? 
right gonna right. make a difference that nurse is feelings towards you, even if you do upset her. And again, you can't control that. You can't control if she's upset or not. All you're going you're doing, to upset people in life. Right. You're, not everyone's going to like you. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that leads. So uh, the, the final point in this people pleasing, then I want to spend a little time on, I think we've already been tapping into what healthy confrontation looks like, but maybe give some tips in that area. But one of the last things that people pleasing can lead to is a loss of who you are. You can really forget who you are. And some people who have been people pleasing since childhood, you may ask them what they want and they may be like, well, what do you want? Or, well, what does everybody else want? And if you really press them, what do you want? They may just end up saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know me anymore because it's always been about what does everybody else want? And it makes me think of the movie Runaway Bride. For those of you who... um it's been a while since you've seen it. Let me refresh your memory. So this woman is engaged multiple different times and she runs away. Julia Roberts, um, she runs away at the altar from all these men. But the, and so one Richard Greer is the guy who's wants to win her over. And so he's a reporter. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the, 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 the meat of it, but he's interviewing the men she's run away from. And he's asking them, well, what did, what, tell me about her. What were her favorite type of eggs? Well, one guy says scrambled, one guy says poached, one guy says fried. And he was realizing that she had a different egg that she liked, style of egg she liked with whoever she was with. And when he asked them, well, what's your favorite type of egg? Oh, well, the, the guy who likes scrambled, she likes scrambled. The guy who liked poached, she liked poached. So again, we lose a sense of ourselves if, all we want is to make the people around us happy. We become who they want us to be or who we think they want us to be, which is usually not really what they want. Don't lose yourself. Don't lose yourself. Don't lose the responsibility of taking care of your loved one. And I mean, you may be kind of like thinking about what I'm saying and you're like, wow, I'm actually losing myself to my loved one too. They're walking all over me as well. I've not set healthy boundaries with them. I'm advocating for them, but they're also walking all over me. And it may be that this is kind of triggering and cascading a lot of thoughts in your minds um, about what it means to be people pleasing if you've been doing it and what it would mean to, you know, start doing things differently. So a couple of last thoughts on healthy confrontation. And maybe some things to think about as you're going to wade into setting good boundaries and advocating for you and your loved one. Number one in healthy confrontation, non-judgmental curiosity for yourself and for others. Really look at it from a standpoint of you want to know. You don't want to judge. You want to know what makes you tick, what makes them tick. Um and that's going to help you separate your emotions from the situation, which is another really good point. And Robin, you've brought that up before, is kind of get away from emotionally reacting to the situation. And that, that I think is hard because we are, especially in a caregiving situation, there's all sorts of emotions. There are new emotions, there are exhausted emotions, there's things that have been going on forever and ever. So no, is this a good time? for me to say something. No, um, 
how to handle yourself and what you're feeling when you are 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 saying no to something or you're you're going to ask somebody to help you because you need the help. So it's all fired up with emotion. We all have stuff going on, stuff in our heads, stuff that's going on around us that affects us on a daily basis. So uh, back to know your timing and try and calm down first and then go and talk. Don't go when you're fired up and ready to go. Emotions are huge. So that goes to know your triggers. In this type of therapy I do, EMDR, triggers are the situations that really get you emotionally stirred. And, and, and there are situations that all of us would react to similarly. And I'm not talking about those types of situations where, you know, you go, someone pushes you. Well, we'd all be irritated about that. It's the situations where something happens. And if you were to look at around kind of like a survey says... Um, out of 10 people, are you responding to the situation at a four or are you responding to the situation at a 10? If you're responding to it at a 10, it's a trigger. It's something that you need to realize there's a lot more influencing it than just your normal reaction, your normal human reaction that most people would have. So kind of get to know yourself and get to know your triggers. And I would say work with a counselor on kind of sorting through your triggers. Obviously, I'm an advocate of that. (laughs) I've helped people all day long with working through their triggers and how it impacts them and specifically with, um, with caregiving. In those moments, walk away. Like you said, that's not the best time to sort through the situation. It may be that you still need to advocate, but try to maybe walk away for a few minutes, take some deep breaths, calm yourself down and kind of focus on the goal at hand. Like what you were saying earlier about the nurse, you may be feeling really, really triggered in that moment. And you were saying, you know, do you, are you going to worry in five years if that nurse likes you? Another way to, to reframe that in the moment, am I going to care? Like, what is the goal of me going up and talking to her? Is it for her to like me or is it for my mom to get pain medicine? Take some deep breaths. Realize this is triggering me for other reasons that I don't have to work through right now. I'm going to calm myself down. I'm going to go talk to her and I'm going to take care of myself with that trigger. Maybe bring it up in a therapeutic counseling session down the road so I can work through that and these triggers can start to subside and go away with time. I like that. Absolutely. A couple of last thoughts on healthy confrontation. Know what you're trying to accomplish. Know what the goal is. Don't go down rabbit holes. Like if you're talking with, with family and you want them to step up more and, or if even in conversations or arguments, I know spouses probably get into this all day long. You start with, you didn't empty the dishwasher. And then all of a sudden you're talking about something from 10 years ago, right? <laughs> it's like, where, where did we go in this conversation? Right. So, you know, try to, try to be focused. And, and know what you're arguing about you're, or you're advocating for. Stick to the point. And then also, when you feel like you get to the same page, you get someone to move towards you or respect your boundaries or stuff, don't beat them up over and over about it. Don't try and punish them and just heap it on and keep going and keep going and keep going. You're going you're gonna to wear them out and you're going to 
you're no longer going to be on the same page. When you're on the same page, move forward with the plan. Move forward with, okay, how are you going to collaborate and, and go to the, to, to the next objective? Don't keep beating them up because you're going to, you're going to lose that. You're going to lose what you've gained if you, um, if you're just trying to punish somebody. That's true. Absolutely true. And it, um, I don't even know how to, to end that because that was just terrific. I think that's the self-check. That's what I was thinking. So do uh, uh, all the things that Melissa is saying, do a self-check real quick. You know, we always talk about counting to 10 in your mind, go through the checks. What What is the reason I'm doing this? Is it going to be helpful? What things like that before you start that conversation and walk away. You, you know, when, when it's time to walk away and you've gotten what you need and then leave it alone. So for all of you people pleasers out there, like myself, when you venture into this new world of healthy confrontation, it's not going to feel good. Setting boundaries is going to feel very dire at times. And it's going to feel like those people that you love or that you need to, to collaborate with are going to reject you and abandon you. They won't. They won't. They will push up against your boundaries. It will be challenging at times. But it's it's a it's a process. So in the beginning, nothing will feel and flow the way you want it to as you're changing this dynamic. Uh, but you're getting there. You're getting there. You're you're making effective small baby steps that are going to really have a lot of impact over time. So don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. All right. Well, thank you, Robin. Uh, the the healthier, more direct <laughs> one of us, this dynamic duo. Thank you for for one. Uh, you know, in certain situations, showing me how how healthy confrontation looks, um, and so I admire that. So, out there again, if you find yourself doing the people pleasing too much, look to people that seem to do it well, and just if they're friends of yours connect with them or just model what they do. Most of the time, it's just that they, they've done it for a long time and it's easy to, to do it and to be kind about it. So anyway, I hope you found this episode helpful and enlightening and maybe thought provoking. And we will be back again next week. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.